This is the Make America Grape Again podcast, produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Welcome to a very special episode. I say that so often, but really all the episodes are special. (laughs) Of the Make America Grape Again podcast. Season 2, we're revisiting Virginia Vignac, mostly because uh, I'm here with Michelle Petrie, who goes way back uh, to grade school, and when she saw that... Kindergarten. I, kindergarten, yeah. <laughs> kindergarten is a grade. <laughs> it is a grade, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and when she's like, oh, you did a, a Virginia one already? Which one? No, oh, I did the Horton Vignac. Really? You did that one? <laughs> That's the worst Viennier ever. I need to get you a better one. And so she did. And what we're doing is focusing uh, not only on Virginia Viennier, but I brought uh, Rune Viennier from Wilcox, Southeastern Arizona, Wilcox Avia. It's like, like your own backyard, Anthem. And we are comparing these two side by side with Condrieu, which is the basically origin point for Viognier in the entire world, um, or at least most of it. Uh, yeah, the, the only so. yeah the only, there's only one other place in the Rhone that does Viognier. It's next to Condrieu, and I can't fucking remember what it's called. Do you mean the this the AOC that is only the chateau? Yes. That I can never remember its goddamn name. Yep. Yeah. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I mean, there's do Viognier, but Condrieu Condri- Viognier is the... The legendary. Yes, it's the legendary. It's the price point. It's the everything when it comes to... It's the man, the myth, the legend. Pretty much. If Viognier what is, is in... Chateau Saint Everything is Saint, but... It's Chateau... Because <laughs> you can never find it, because it's only... It, the AOC is that winery. Like, how much money did you have to pay to get your winery being called an AOC? That's a very good question. I wonder. <laughs> um, I think that, I feel like that's, especially in France, that's the only place in the world where that is an, an only occurrence. Because an AOC is a large body of, of yeah. work. And you have in the Spanish setting, like, the different ones where one of them is basically, this is a particular vineyard designated as special from all the other vineyards because yeah, you paid a lot of money but it's not like an AOC or yeah. the AOC equivalent for Spain which is fuck if I know or fuck if I can remember see now I need to look Dio. this up Dio yeah <laughs> which is like B.O. but better Spanish whatever yeah if you want to introduce yourself to our listeners. Oh boy alright well I look up because now I'm curious what the <laughs> fuck that Viognier is um, my name is Michelle Petrie. I know Mr. Cody Burkett from back in kindergarten. We went to class. We were, if not in the same class together through all of grade school, very neighboring classes. We lived one street away from each other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got into wine like 15 years ago when I first moved to Washington, D.C. I actually fell in love with wine with a Virginia winery called Chrysalis. Um, Chrysalis, actually one of their sweeter wines because everyone gets in, I feel like if you get into wine, you start off with sweet wine and then you grow up from there. Yeah. And it was a sweet, it was called Sarah's Red Patio, which was just a little effervescence, kind of like gamay kind of feel, but with a little spritz like Brichetto. 
kind of thing. And it was, it just blew my mind. I was like, this is delicious. I can't believe this. And then I was working at rest in restaurants at the time and I got the opportunity to take some classes with the um, WSETs and then it just blew up from there. And I was a business manager for a local wine shop here. I've got to travel, got to learn, got to taste more wines than I can put wrap my head around at those huge conventions that you taste 100 wines a day and you go, why? Yeah. <laughs> Even if you spit, your your brain is just like, no, I don't know. I'm like, ugh. Oh, no more. Yeah, I went to, if you look it up, Provine. Oh, wow. I yeah. went to Provine. And it is literally airplane hangers of wine. And you have to go to different different countries in different hangers. So you're like, all right, I've got to think. And it's only three days. So you have to think it's strategically. I've got to go to... Italy and France, but only these particular areas because it's so fucking huge that it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, it was intense. But a very good show. Also, Salon de Loire is a fun show. Mm. And I've been to the one in Montpellier. Oh, forget its name. But <laughs> but there are people that are like, oh, it's so nice. And no. No. <laughs> but yeah, let's taste some Condrio. So, Chateau Grier. Is the oh, animal. that's what it is. Yeah. Which explains why my head kept thinking Chateau Grill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chateau Cooking. Mm-hmm. For sure. Chateau Char. Oh, yeah, Chateau Grier. That's how I remembered it for the CSW. So already off the bat, the florality God. of this are just so beautiful. White flowers and a little bit of peach apricot. Mm-hmm. Just very clean and bright. Nothing yeah. is muddled. Everything is very precise. Like, you get those three notes, and it's just clear. Yeah. Which also says a lot for the way an AOC is basically developed, where you're tasting all of these things in, mm-hmm. in a council, and it's like, okay, it hits these particular criteria, you're good. You can call it an AOC. But, you know, normally it's, like, also alcohol and acidity and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I, it, I think it also is tasting notes. Yeah, must and such. But a lot of it is, I think, just, like, the sexuality into the winemaking how do you create such clear precise notes it goes beyond the rules of the aoc because the aoc is going to tell you you're going to have to pick this much per amount you know per yielding fruit or whatever you're going to have to pick at this amount of bricks or you're this this whatever like contriving rules that they have once you get beyond that all right what can i control I can control how long it stays in oak. I can control if it's, you know, open fermentation or whatever. But I feel like we should also say this is Francois Villard, 2017 Depensis Condrieu. Yes, we, we should say these. <laughs> the name of the wine. It is 14% alcohol. Francois Villard is a lovely producer. I've never met him, but I've had a couple of his wines before. He also makes a non-Condrieu wine that is just Viognier. It's, uh, you know, picked from outside of Condrieu. So and, yeah, uh, Vindipé. Yeah, yeah, kind of deal. Which everyone's like, mm, Vindipé. Everyone's like, there's no great Vindipés. No, sometimes they declassify things. Yeah, exactly. That are from the fantastic vineyards, and you know what? You're getting a better price for exactly. it. So never, never shit on a Vindipé. Yeah. It could be Same for amazing. for the, the Italian equivalent. Uh, one of my favorite I Nebbiolos. <laughs> one of my favorite Nebbiolos I ever had was a, a declassé. Uh, I want to say it was a declassé Longe. Nebbiolo, and I'm just like, I had that the day Trump got in, 
Because for me, I like to have Barolos as Apocalypse bottles. It's like, okay, the Apocalypse is coming, so I'm going to crack open one of these. And it's just like, this is not Apocalypse level, but it's still shitty. So I'm what's gonna... around shitty? Longe! <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that, but it's just like, this is a Nebbiolo where I won't cry and be mm-hmm. mad at myself the next day yeah. for drinking. Yeah. And also, it's not a Barolo. It's not one of my, my two... Uh, particular ones that are basically like student whenever i pay off my student loans or the apocalypse whenever they come first (laughs) (laughs) but anyway this is the The nose itself is just lovely i could smell this all day that white flower notes but it's so so lovely i I cheated and and had a sip Mm -hmm. (laughs) definite floral character there sort of like a chamomile brightness um, a little bit of peach, white tea, apricot. Like white nectarine kind of feel. Yeah. Kind of. Nice gripping acidity. The acidity on the back end is just really, I think, what makes vi- this kind of Viognier Viognier. Yeah. It's like if you have that florality, if you don't have that acidity, it can feel sort of flabby, like it weighs you down a little yeah. bit. With that acidity, it pumps it up a little bit and it goes, ah, I can have another sip. Yes. And then there's also some people in California like, I'm going to make this fiendier like I made a Chardonnay. Put it in yolk and mouth. And then you get this muddled, weighted mess with florals, and who wants to drink that? Yeah. It just makes you makes you feel fat. Fat and depressed. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm already that way any day. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh... The acidity, I think, what, what makes Viognier... From Condrieu special is the acidity, bringing that life into the florality, that white flowers. Uh, so for those of you who don't know how Viognier is spelled... Um, Yogner? Yeah. <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time someone asked either what's Viognier or, or alternately, more embarrassingly, do you have any Viognier? Yeah. It's just like, you know the grape, which is great, but you don't know how to... First time I, ha- I heard that question, I go, what? Like, I had no idea. It was like a deer in headlights. I was like, I have no idea what, what this woman is talking what, about. What grape is this? <laughs> I thought I knew all the grapes that we had here. Oh, you mean Viognier. Oh, there it is. Yes, we do. It's right over here. So I'm going to leave some of the glass here. Yes, absolutely. I always have to. I mean, not that there's enough in the bottle. but <laughs> Yeah. Well, mostly to make it easier to switch back and forth until then we decide to drink all the bottles or some of the bottles. So Next is Rune. Rune, 2016, so it's a year older, a year wiser. Um, I probably should have bought the 2017, but um, I didn't think to, and this is one I already had in my cellar. Um, So Rune is one of my favorite labels from Arizona. Uh, James Callahan is the winemaker. He does a lot of naturalistic winemaking approaches. Wild fermentation, uh, relatively low sulfites, generally focusing on sulfiting and bottling. He doesn't like to over-sulfite because he feels that that kind of ruins uh, a lot of the character. Um, These were 100% grapes from Viognier. I want to say he cold-soaked these for a few hours before he um, ferment. What kind of oak? Uh, French oak. French oak, small barrels? Smaller barrels. Yeah. Mm, I, I don't know what percentage of new versus neutral. 
That's okay. Uh, I mean, it just was like small versus large. Yeah. Because you can already tell in the nose. Yeah, the nose that... has got that definite vanilla character that's lacking in the Congrio. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not, to me anyway, blocking out all those floral characters. It's kind of no, intermingling. No, it's just like a little bit different. Versus being like the Congrio, which is very clear that this is flower, this is peach, this is apricot. Yeah. This is more like a blend of all three. Yeah. Which is not necessary. It's not bad. No. It's just a different expression. So you can just tell. Also, it's a year older. So a year older does have an effect upon yeah. the wine. So it's a little a little bit perhaps more integrated in mm-hmm. that sense because of that age. So with how he does his wild ferments is he makes a pied de cuvee from his white grapes. And he inoculates everything with it. Hmm. Um, his reds, his whites. Um, for the whites, he does a pied de cuvee based on those particular varietals. Mm-hmm. Um, that he does while the grapes are cold soaking for a few hours to get it jump started and then uses that to inoculate. I don't know if this went through Mallow or not. Um, he, I know, does a lot of... It doesn't feel like it. it. doesn't feel like it went through Mallow. Yeah, it doesn't have that sort of creamy character no, in Mallow. No, you feel the brightness on the end yeah. that is very reminiscent of Viognier. It's a very nice wine. I think... That it is in a good direction in yeah. terms of in terms of going with the con because Condrio is just you know yeah. it's the baseline. Everyone's yeah. just striving to be Condrio. Yeah. This is very good expression of Viognier. It's got that acidity. It's got that focus. I think once it starts to really focus in on those florality a little bit more and a little bit more concentration on the fruit notes, that it'll be an excellent wine. Like yeah. how long has he been doing this? He this is I think is. Sixth vintage? Yeah, so he's a baby. He started at Costa Brown, actually, working oh, did on Pinot. Oh, On Pinot, and then went to Arius. See, I uh, could see that from the like the, the Pinot texture. Yeah. Coming reminiscent of this, that kind of textural thing. Still high acidity, but having that flavor yeah. profile on the front end. I also know for a fact that this was partly aged Sir Lee, too. Ah, mm-hmm. See, this one, see, I know absolutely jack about this one in terms of tech sheety things. I mean, you might could, be able to find it out. Let us especially going the book on, of Google. If also, as well, if you look at Elite Wines, you might be able to find things because their their distribu- distribution site will link you to their things and tech sheets that they have on their site. Um, but this is a very nice expression for Viognier, especially domestic Viognier that I've had, for sure. Francois Villard. I so want to go to the Rhone. That's on my list for sure. I mean, there's so many places. Okay, butchering. Francois Villard, Condrieu Le Terrasses. This is Condrieu Le Dépensin. Oh, look, it gave so... Okay, creaming. Spectator gave the Condrieu creamy with flattering papaya. Creamy? Yeah, no. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, that was for the third 2013 vintage. Okay, that makes sense. But still. Well, the creaminess could come with age. I, when they t- uh, drink now through 2017 for the 2013 vintage, it's like they they had it fresh. They had it fresh. All right, fact sheet, fact sheet, fact sheet. Yes. All right, 100% Viognier in the village of Saint-Michel-Seur. Soil, broken down granite with mica and sand. Okay. Density at 9,500 vines per hectare. Winemaking in barrels, 40% new with six months batonnage once a week. Okay. No racking. Um, and then they have tasting notes. Loaded with a huge core of cream peach, yellow apple, 
what? Calvillon melon? It's a weird type of melon I've never had before. Yeah. Fruit I... backed with by notes of creme fraiche, heather, quartz, and honeysuckle. Okay, I'll buy the quartz because I've licked a few rocks with my geology minor. Absolutely. Who hasn't licked a few rocks in Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'll buy the honeysuckle even though we, we were calling it uh, chamomile and what other flower did we call it? I want to say we also refer to it as jazz, not jasmine, honey, no, not honeysuckle. I want to say gardenia. Mm. We may have thrown out there. But still, I mean, so it's, it's not that much oak, only 40% new. Yeah. So that's not that much. And I but, think that that's probably the most that uh, James Callahan uses, is about mm-hmm. 40%. Um, but it's good. I like the, the rune is very good. I, I mean, the Condryu, I think, is just more focused. Yeah. Than the rune, but the rune is in a good direction. That, and the that, rune also that... has um, lurking in the shadows, both in the nose and on the palette, what I refer to as the stereotypical archetype flavor note for the Wilcox AVA, and that's anise, star anise. Hmm. Uh, it's there lurking. It's there in almost every vintage I've tasted from the Wilcox AVA. It seems to be something that's predominantly associated with the, the Tawar landscape there. And the Do they have anise farms there? No. <laughs> um, not that I'm aware of. They farm just about everything else, including tomatoes and pot. But It's a pot reminiscent. No, well, not in this one. Um... Not that too long ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our next wine is Viognier from Virginia. So this is the 2017 King Family Vineyards Viognier. Uh, King Family is out of Crozet, which is near Charlottesville. The fun fact, they also make a, they call this wine Crozet Rosé for one of their wines. That's, a That's rose. fantastic, Isn't actually. It? It's actually really good rosé. Um, it's nice, bright, got good fruit notes to it. It's, it's, you know, easy summer drinking wine. But so this winemaker... So King Family was owned by a oil entrepreneur guy based out of Texas. He bought King Family because he wanted to have a polo ground. So he as had, you do as you do. Uh, so he built his polo ground, which is one of the only ones in like Virginia that people competed on. You know, I don't know what you do when you have money and go to polo grounds. It's like pretty woman. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I had that problem. Yeah, right, um, but. He had all this extra land, and people were like, why don't you just grow grapes here? So he hired a winemaker. His name is Matthew Fineau. Um, I've met him once. I, he, I think he's from Alsace. Okay. I believe so. He's definitely French. I don't know why I always confuse whether he's from Alsace or Languedoc, which are two completely different animals. So yeah. that's a really bad mix-up. Well, we'll be able to taste this and find out probably, because they're also completely different <laughs> styles of wine yes. and winemaking. yes. But he's he's a very so Virginia um, Virginia is probably a, is is a little bit older than Arizona in oh, terms yeah. of its winemaking. The oldest um, vineyard in Arizona dates uh, well. The oldest commercial vintage was 1983. Um, so the oldest planted vineyard I want to say was 1979, post prohibition. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of vineyards, including one actually in Sedona. Uh, prior to Prohibition, but Prohibition, of course, murdered it. <laughs> like it murdered everything yeah. in the alcohol industry. Protestants! <laughs> so this is 
down in near Charlottesville is pretty much where the root of all of the good winemakers are going to be. Besides the couple that are going towards Front Royal, like Linden, RDV, um, uh, Glen Manor. Those are the, probably the big ones that are closest to D.C., but still about 60, 70 miles away or so. This is where the bulk of Virginia wine that is ver- that is well made is from. Um, I picked this guy because Matthew, do, I think, does a really good job, especially for his Viognier. Um, but I think, I don't know, let's try. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, there's no way it could be a worse Viognier than uh, the one I had before, which was very disappointing. Already, <laughs> like, it feels like a little bit more white flowers than the Arizona one. Yeah. But a little bit, like, kind of like in the same vein of the Condrio. Yeah, this is more... Fl- this more is floral, for more sure. More floral than the Arizona. It's more mm-hmm. approaching the Condrio in terms of... Is florality even a word? Yeah. Sure. I florality. I use it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it's real. <laughs> yeah. The florality of this vintage is it's definitely real more in my prominent. Book. <laughs> Not as much fruit on the nose, though. Not as much fruit as the Conjure and in the room. But the florality, it's, it's not like a heavy florality. Yeah. It's a light florality. And there's also more veg, not, I want to say vegetal, but I don't mean vegetal. What I'm trying to say is a definite more of a, a white tea note mm-hmm. in this compared to the others. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so it almost like the tannic character of a, a white tea and that flavor profile of white tea. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I've said it's not really vegetal at all, Cody. Come on, get it right. Pull, <laughs> pull yourself fucking together, man. Pull yourself together, man. The acidity is there on the finish. It's not as high as, of course, not as high as a Condrio. And in terms of the rune, the rune has more acidity. Yeah. The rune definitely has more acidity than the King Family Viognier, which that is also a problem for Virginia. Yeah, I've heard about that, that... Growing grapes out here and then also in North Carolina is kind of like growing in mush. Yeah. It's so freaking humid here. And, you know, it's like the soil is too good. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to have to be super good. Yeah. Like there's this one vineyard um, called RDV that he does no whites. So <laughs> yeah. So that wouldn't really be well for our, our test sample here. But he took two years to select his soils. To select his land because he wanted a specific kind of limestone to clay. Okay. That he wanted a particular type. So it t- he took him two, at least two years to select this particular plot. Um, now, I don't think that's necessarily true for King Family because what he bought his land for was for polo grounds. And They this- see me poloing, baby. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> I can't think of a good polo song. I have no idea. <laughs> or a good fake polo song, I guess. But so the definitely the acidity is less, but the fruit is a little bit more focused. Yeah. Than the rune is. So it's like they both have that good direction. It's just they, if they... I mean, I don't think the acidity is going to happen for Virginia. Yeah, it, it, it's it just can't unless... Knowing Virginia, not knowing Arizona, like maybe that could be, especially if the Wilcox, I don't know how much limestone ratio it's going to be. There's not there. as much limestone, but there's a lot of caliche in the soil, okay. which is basically limestone yeah. that, that precipitates into the soil, which I personally is what I think gives a lot of that anise character to the wines mm-hmm. in Wilcox because of that strong presence of caliche. 
Now, in the Verde Valley, where there is now only one planting of Vignet, now that I think about it, there used to be three. One got hit by Pierce's and got removed. Mm. Fuck Pierce's disease. Which I hear is a problem out here, too. Yeah, it's a big problem here. I mean, everything is a problem here. If you like, there are people... Winemakers have to spray all the time. Yeah. That it's it's a sad, sad problem. So it's, um, you know, winemakers are trying to do the best that they can. You know, they don't have don't, a lot of smaller producers in any state. Yeah. Don't have the luxury that old world does. They don't have hundreds of years of just monks sitting there and writing stuff down. Yeah. To know what, what works, works. When. And... When. What should I do when this happens? That kind of thing. And like yeah. in France and Burgundy, that's how they're able to tell which soils are the best because monks sat there for 500 years and said that. Yeah. That's the one. Because <laughs> I tested it. For five generations. Yeah. So, you know, they're doing their absolute best. And unfortunately, sometimes you get hit with disease. And guess what you got to do? Start over. Pull it out and plant something new. And then you have two to three years before you can get any type of fruit. Yeah. And then after that, your fruit's not going to be great until five to ten. Exactly. And after that, how many years you got left in your life? Yeah. <laughs> 10, 15, 20. Yeah, and then you have to work on trying to get a good wine yeah. that, in order not only to just be good that you're proud of, but to survive. Exactly. Because you can't keep doing this if you're not turning a profit, especially for your investors. So, yeah, so. which is why if I ever started my own winery, I don't want investors because... They're just going to be breathing down your neck. Yeah, it's like, fuck you, I want to do what I want. <laughs> Hey, thanks, bye. Unless you're an investor who's like, whatever, do what you want, in which case, you call me. Call me. <laughs> you know my email. It's at the end of the podcast. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, but anyway, the, the Verde Valley has a higher limestone concentration through most of the valley because of the Verde Formation, which is a, basically a limestone conglomerate deposit mm-hmm. from the Miocene, blah, 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 um, that nobody cares uh, except for me and maybe one other person that's listening to this. I don't know. If you do care, call, call me. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last planting of Vigna that I'm aware of in the Verde Valley remaining is not on that limestone. It's on mostly alluvial soils that have come down from the Black Hills. There's some limestone mixed in along mm-hmm. with granite and everything else that's on the Black Hills has eroded into this vineyard site. Mm-hmm. And that's at the Southwest Wine Center. And while I have Vignet growing there, so far every vintage of Vignet I've tasted from them has been coming from Michael Pierce's vineyard in Wilcox, which is literally down the street road. Although it's paved now, so street. uh, From Pillsbury Vineyard. And it's funny because two-thirds of Arizona wine is all coming from within, like, ten square miles of each other in the Wilcox ABA. It's just... It's like, whoa, 40% of this is coming from this one spot. It's crazy. So my question is, not knowing anything about Arizona AVAs or anything like that, um, but knowing a little bit about Arizona, what wineries are coming out of Flagstaff? None. None. Even Um, though they had that that dormant volcano there that spewed volcanic The problem is that it's way too high in elevation. Uh, So you get too short of a growing season. Now, someone tried. 
And they failed hard? They failed hard. Okay. Um, it was a vineyard, not in Flagstaff itself, but it was located between Flagstaff and Williams and Parks. Okay. And they were growing Marquette, Frontenac, and La Crescent. And it failed partly due to frost pressure, that they mm. would just, the vines kept getting nuked. And then the vineyard stopped being cared for for like two years. And then it got overwatered after that. So literally there was like moss growing on the rocks by the vines. That's brutal. So they just gave up. The closest, in terms of elevation, like I mentioned before, to you off off screen, because we're on a screen apparently, (laughs) was Bruzy Vineyard in Young, which is not volcanic soil. It's in limestone-based alluvium. Uh, kind of like most of the Verde Valley. And about the same age as the Verde Valley. And some geologists are like, well, maybe it's a continuation of the Verde Formation. And I was just like, yeah, no, bro. And I just stand here going, you guys tell me what it is when you're done. I'm going to drink. <laughs> Every time you say Verde Valley, I'm just thrown back to a memory when I was like 10 years old and we used to go hiking in the Verde Valley. And we went up hiking around some, now it's like, I think in my head, some little hill. And it was like, a, a Arizona thunderstorm came through. This is, all, and you know, terrible when you're 10 years old. And this is all I'm thinking of when you every time you say Verde Valley, I just think back to that hiking trip. So it's like... <laughs> Rain. Rain. Anxiety. Oh my God, I'm hiking up this mountain. It's what's really... I'm like, going to die. I'm going to die. It's really a 500 foot hill. Yeah. <laughs> but when you're 10, everything's... Everything's huge when you're 10. Okay. I, I will say, I think... Let's see. I do love this Viognier. Um, this is it is, better than your whore? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Victory! Yes, this is so much better. When when people are like, oh, Viognier is everything in state... <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Viognier is... When everyone's like, oh, Viognier, it's Virginia state grape. It's the thing we do best out here. And then I taste that. I'm like, okay. And this I'm like... Okay. okay. I see it now. Okay. It's sure. It's conjury. It's again very stellar level. These are all. Well, these are all. I mean, Condrio obviously standing off in a class on its own. And, yes, of and course. And this and, and the special bus because Condrio. Um, but these two are both stellar vintages, and I am really, really impressed by the King family vineyards, Viognier. Um, that's. Fantastic. Is this from a particular AVA or? Um, what is it called? Monticello. Oh, Monticello. <laughs> I didn't think about it. <laughs> oh, this right there, 2017 Monticello. <laughs> Very good, Cody. You can read the label. I did it without reading. <laughs> yes. So Monticello, which is part of Charlottesville area. Um, there's not very many AVAs in Virginia. Monticello. I don't even know what the other ones are. Oh, wait. Hand me, if you would. District? No. no. Bookie! The book. The book. Uh, Wines of Eastern North America from Prohibition to the Present, which has been my desktop reference for most of season one, except for the Virginia episode because I didn't have this book yet. So, Linden, which is probably the godfather of all Virginia wines. I have in my hand their Claret 2005 vintage. Mm. And they're based out of, like, going towards Front Royal... Well, 66, nobody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Unless they're from Virginia. They're Unless like, they're oh, from yeah. Virginia. Yeah, I know that. They're not part of an AVA. It looks like it just says Virginia red wine, which is very surprising because Jim Law, who makes Virginia wines, he is 
the grandfather, not grandfather, because I'm not going to say he's that old, even though he's older, but he is it in terms of Virginia wine. I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this longest. He's done stages in Bordeaux and all over the world. He is pretty much it when it comes to anybody in the Virginia winemaking scene wants to go to Jim Law for advice because he knows. He's been there. He's done that kind of thing. So I'm going to open it. Because why not, right? Do you need a spit bucket? Do you want a spit bucket? Um, yeah, I probably should. And let me know if you want a glass of water. Water. So anyway. Uh, anyway, so what about Virginia AVA? So the history of Virginia wine, I'll get to AVA's in a moment. I don't know that. Uh, actually, there's actually a whole chapter in here about the planning of French hybrids and vinifera between 1948 and 1970s in Virginia. Apparently, there was a few attempts to grow and make wine in Virginia in the 1930s. And apparently, a limited winery license was created under which these wineries had to open until farm legislation passed in 1979. Sorry, passed in 1980. Uh, became effective. Oh! Happy birthday, almost. Uh, we are three days behind the... Hold on, math. Math. So 1980, and it's we're Arizona 2019. Arizona education. Yeah. <laughs> Shitty education, Arizona, I tell you what. Public schools. I tell you what. Sent in. I hope they can hear that. 39, okay, so I was... Oh, <laughs> that's what math we were doing? Oh. Yeah. So, happy just after 39th birthday to the passing of the Virginia Department Agriculture and Consumer Services Farm Winery Bill in Virginia. It became effective on July 1st, 1980. Woo! We're only three days off from celebrating. Uh, in 1979, there was 286 acres. Now there's a lot. There's over 250 wineries in Virginia right now. I have no idea who's in AVA or what. We will find out. <laughs> It's amazing. The conjure feels more apricotty as it laid in the glass longer. Yeah. It's like the florality just sort of, I mean, as it got a little bit warmer. So even it feels more like the initial king, rune. king and rune, yeah. the, the apricottiness in the rune, but the florality in the king, it's like those two have merged into the conjure. Yeah. Bit. I almost want to pour these two into the same glass and see what would happen. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah. I didn't say it was a good idea. So, okay, there's apparently a metric fuckton of AVAs in Virginia. Is there? According to the Wikipedia article. Yeah. You have the Middleburg AVA, Monticello AVA, North Folk of Roanoke AVA, Northern Neck George Washington Birthplace AVA. Oh, my God. Could Mount you... Vernon? <laughs> That's an AVA? For, and yet they didn't call it Mount Vernon. Why? Well, well it's Northern Neck, so that's different. It's, uh, Mount Vernon is not his birthplace. That's where he lives. So, okay, I'm, I'm just yeah. differentiating the difference, which is stupid. Mm. <laughs> the Rocky Knob AVA, which sounds great. Ooh, idea. That's probably near Virginia Tech. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, Shenandoah Valley AVA and the Virginia Eastern Shore AVA. Okay. So, yeah, there's quite a bit of AVAs. As of 2016, 2,600 acres. Uh, 6,500 tons. 2,600 acres. That's a lot of hectares. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it is, but 
That involves math that... Oh, apparently there is a, a lab that was funded at Virginia Tech, speaking of. There is enology uh, courses at Virginia Tech. Okay. Um, which is really, actually really popular and really uh, well-known and renowned. Hmm. Which is really surprising because it's Virginia Tech, but they have a lot of wine courses, enology, that kind of thing. coming. I had there. no idea. Yeah, they're really cool. I think some of them are even online. Ooh, that's handy. So the Linden Claret is a blend of 46% Cabernet Sauvignon, 25% Merlot, 16% Petit Verdot, and 13% Cabernet Franc. So it's a, a pretty standard Bordeaux blend. Uh, we're going to finish with the Linden Claret, and then we're going to record one more episode, which will actually air before this one because the miracle of... Of technology. Of technology and... All that stuff. So the Linden Claret. Claret, if anybody doesn't know, is the English way of calling it Bordeaux. Because the prints are weird. Absolutely. <laughs> so, again, Linden is made by Jim Law, who is the pretty much the king of Virginia winemaking. He's been doing it the longest, the best. He's really particular in terms of like where his wine is sold in retail. Like he does, he won't try, he won't sell it to all retailers. Really? Yes, because he's very particular. He doesn't want his wine to be on the bottom shelf. Yeah, on, I can see that. On like some half-assed wine shop that nobody like that he doesn't care about. He only believes in the people he, believe in. he believes in. Which is a good way of doing it. Yeah, he's very much. Into oh, that's rich. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, more fuller bodied. It's definitely got that Bordeaux kind of texture yeah. to it. Probably a little bit more creamier than Bordeaux's are going to be. But it reminds me a lot of a good classic Bordeaux uh, in so many ways. It reminds me my most entertaining wine pairing. My 33rd birthday was a Margot Appalachian Bordeaux with rattlesnake. I just saw a picture of that. I yeah. Think it was like <laughs> that was my memory from mm-hmm. last year, and that was phenomenal. It's- I think the acidity in that, like, Margot Bordeaux is really what's, like, with the rattlesnake. Yeah. It works so well. Mm-hmm. Of course, acidity goes with everything, so. This is true. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's a good pairing? I'm like, well, how much a city does it have? Yeah. <laughs> what's a good pairing for this? Your front porch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, that's rich. Red fruit. A little bit of purple fruit. Violets in there from the Cap Franc. Definitely. Also, that very reminiscent Cap Franc note. I don't want to say it's green, but it's that kind of reminiscent. Yeah, of sort of like good green peppercorn. Good green. Good green. Pe- yes, green peppercorn. Because yeah. when you say green bell pepper, I always feel like that's a bad. Thing. It's like pyrazines are bad. Yeah, yeah, it's not a green bell pepper, but it's it's got that reminiscent of something. It's just like something that. makes you think green. Yes, and green peppercorn is green for peppercorn sure. or oregano or, mm-hmm. or something greeny, 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 greeny. But green. clear and clean. Yeah. No funkiness, no dirtiness whatsoever in it, which is so hard to find. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not a fan of bretomyces. Oh God. Bretomyces is an evil strain of bacteria that should not be in wine. I don't care what people say. I don't care if people say, oh, Burgundy, people have been drinking it from Burgundy for years. You know what? I don't care. I don't want my wine tasting like dirty ass locker feet. Or horse. 
or horseshit. Why would I want? And, and if you age that wine, it just gets it overwhelming. Gets worse. Why would I want that? Why would you want that in a wine? At that point, you're only just doing it for the recognition that I have blah, blah, blah. You know what? I'm not enjoying it, so who cares? I spent $1,000 on this bottle. I'm going to tell everybody I know. Yeah, who cares? I spent 50 bucks on this wine, and I'm enjoying it a lot more than your piece of shit. Yeah, this is beautiful. Holy shit. Right? Like... It feels like feels like a Bordeaux, but not a Bordeaux. Like it could feel like a Bly or something, you know, yeah. like like a more heavy set Merlot from Bordeaux. Even though, what is it? It's mostly Cab. Mostly it's Cab. Forty six Cab. I think like what kind you're missing is like more of that firmer tannic structure that you get from Cabs. Yeah. Because it's a little bit more softer on and, the finish. But the tannins that are coming here are clearly coming from the Petit Verdot. Oh, for sure. And the, I the, love the, Petit Verdot. Yes, and the Petit Verdot is screaming of tannins. Yeah. Which can be offset for some people, but yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I think that this is just really exquisitely balanced. Yeah, it's very nicely balanced. It's very pure. It's nice and clean. It's got good fruit, but good texture. Really focused. That's a Linden. That's yeah. why everybody goes to this guy. Because he knows what he's doing. Like I was talking about earlier, the guy from RDV. Yeah. He, like, him and Jim Law are like BFFs. Because he wants to be like Jim, like, not like be like Jim Law, but he that's the relationship you want to have. Like, you want to have a relationship with this guy from Virginia. He is it. He's the cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note of cool guys, we should close this off. Mm. So, on that note, let's make America great again. Cheers. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com, on Instagram at, at theazwinemonk, or on Twitter at cvburkett. Be sure to also check out our website, makeamericagrapeagainpodcast.com. Find your wines, I want to find your portfolio. You edit, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs>